It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Hey, I'm thinking of getting some cool barbs from my awesome new Blackwater Botanical-style aquarium. Said no one ever. Let's face it, with all of the amazing fishes available to the hobby, some just get more favorable treatment than others. Some are simply loved more. Some get all the good press, and others get a bad reputation. Example, well, barbs. (laughs) Take this little quiz. Quick, which is the first word that comes to mind when a fish geek says barbs? One, meh. Two, mean. Three, big. Four, messy. Five, dull. Six, meh. Is sense in a theme here? I think so. I think my theme is admittedly biased, based on equal parts of childhood experiences, fish store chatter, outdated information, and a good old lack of experience with them over the years. The same kind of lack of experience which has resulted in so much bad third-hand and regurgitated information in a lot of hobby sectors, even in ours, thanks to some arrogant, self-proclaimed you know, experts who aren't. It shouldn't be this way. I'm, but I'm pretty certain, just based on conversations that I have with fellow hobbyists, that if you pull a random group of hobbyists, and I have, you'll see this exact sort of response. And anytime meh comes up twice in a couple of seconds when asking about a group of fishes, you know that there's equal parts of inexperience and a sprinkling of ignorance mixed in there somewhere. Yep. Barbs are old school fishes, for sure. I mean, even the name Barb is sort of old school sounding, like a name origin lost in the thick mists of aquarium history, a haze of metal frame aquariums, nylon filter floss, and air-powered outside filters. Even the name Barb sort of reeks of that big, gnarly problem fish label that, that we've attached to it, right? I mean, they're called freaking Barbs, really? The family Ciprinidae needs to hire a new marketing agency, like Pronto. <laughs> According to the venerable Wikipedia... The root of the group barb is common in Cyprinid names of European languages derived from the Latin word barba, a humble reference to the barbels, which are prominently seen around the mouth of many fishes we classify as barbs. Old school. Yeah, sounds really 1950s to me. And that means it's a group of fishes that's ready for a new look. Okay, I'll admit it for everyone to hear. I consider myself an advanced hobbyist, but I'm shockingly ignorant about barbs perfect time for me to talk about some fishes I know so little about, right? What what could go wrong with that? Look, it's not like barbs are obscure fishes kept only by highly advanced specialists or ignorant breeders, or beginners, excuse me. There's ignorant breeders out there, but they're few and far in between. Uh, No, they're really considered one of the cornerstone groups of aquarium fishes. Well, sort of, right? I mean, you think barbs, right? I think so. And I fully admit, I'm downright lacking in my knowledge of them as compared to other fishes like Kerasins and Killies and stuff like that. And I think I'm going to be a bit arrogantly presumptuous for a moment and suggest that many of you might be as well. I mean, I can, only, I can identify you know, some of the more popular members of the group. I can hold my own in a very lightweight conversation on them with general hobbyists. However, once you get beyond, you know, which do you like better, the classic tiger barb or the moss green tiger barb? My lack of current knowledge is front and center. 
Yet, when you think about barbs, that's like it, right? I mean, tiger barb, cherry barb, tinfoil barb, and, um, well, uh, yeah, not only am I sort of ignorant about them, I never even really gave them a fair shake over the past, oh, I don't know, like 25 years or so. And that's a real shame. They're kind of, well, cool. It's hard to imagine being this ignorant, or at least indifferent, about a group of fishes that are so pervasive in the hobby. But I simply think it's because I was just, you know, haven't played with them as much as other fishes. When I was a kid, I always had a few cherry barbs or tiger barbs, maybe a gold barb or two in my tanks, but was always held back from trying others by what the books said about them. I mean, I was literally scared away from them. You know, words like aggressive, metallic, which is hobby code word for butt-ass ugly, you know, may eat aquatic plants, produce copious amounts of metabolic waste, attain five inches of length. You know, shit, that's some bad PR, huh? I mean, hardly makes them aspirational when you're a kid with a 10-gallon community tank. I was doomed from the earliest days in my hobby career to simply smile as I walked by tanks filled with them at the local fish store. Literally, they're typecast as mean, ugly, tropical versions of goldfish. Barb bashing is like a given in our hobby for some reason. It's so sad and so common. So I was like a classic example of someone who was simply programmed by the popular opinions of the day and sort of, you know, it sort of shut me down on this large and pretty diverse group of fishes for decades. And you wonder why now in my ripe old middle age that I've become the aquarium world's Pied Piper of question everything again. Because I think we have to. I think it's time to rethink these fishes. Yeah, we all need to look at them yet again. Ignorance or simply accepting the most basic dismissals of them without further consideration is just no longer acceptable. Now look, I'm certain that I'm not the only one who was sort of chased off by the popular sentiment regarding these guys. Think about it. Why is it that we have all sorts of sickly clubs, killy clubs, beta clubs, guppy clubs, even catfish clubs and shrimp clubs, but no cyprinid clubs? Okay, Fellman, you could say the same about kerosens too, but let's stick to barbs here, Fellman. Yeah, all right, I get it. Curious though, right? Maybe what's not helping these guys is that taxonomically they're heaped into the family Cyprinidae, which also includes such notable big, mussy, messy, but ugly and non-aquarium-friendly fishes as carps and minnows. Yeah, damn taxonomists. Now, in defense, the family Cyprinidae also includes the ultra-cool Danios and the popular sharks, not to mention that rad group of fishes that we collectively refer to as Resbora. So we can't categorically diss the whole group, but man, the poster children of the family are, well, pretty much everything our forefathers in the aquarium world told us. Big, ugly, gluttonous fishes that would pretty much lay waste to any well-managed planted aquarium in minutes. And, you know, we also will hear of pretty yet mass-bred, genetically weak, mankind-exploited versions of these fishes, damning the marketplace for years with their general non-vigorousness. So the caveats about these group of fishes do become ingrained into our collective, you know, fish geek psyche from an early age, don't they? But then again, if you're a kid looking for active, cool fishes for your first 20-gallon tank, the tiger barb, current, which is currently known as Systomus tetrazona, I think, and its relatives are sort of hard to turn away from. Of course, until said tiger barb and its pals start beating the shit out of your neons in your small community tank, that is. Yet, that's not really the fish's fault, right? The reality is that many, many of these guys do make cool aquarium fishes, particularly if your tank's large enough to keep a school and to provide enough room for the other inhabitants to get out of the way when the barbs start partying. I mean, relentlessly active doesn't always translate into aggressive, right? Especially when they're maintained in a tank set up for their needs. Stuff we need to research, think about, and prepare for before we purchase. Otherwise, the hate cycle continues forever as the fish continue to live up to our very lowest base expectations of them. 
And yes, speaking of needs, there are a ton of barbs that come from tinted acidic waters in Southeast Asia, perfect for what we do here. And perfect for a well-researched biotope-inspired aquarium, right? Yeah, I think. And I think this is another group of fishes that could benefit from being maintained under conditions which more closely represent their natural habitats, which are both interesting and attractive as aquarium subjects. Can you imagine a barb, you know, biotope tank, one which sort of riffs on some of the sexy botanical-laden blackwater habitats from which many of them come from? Oh yeah, I can. Jungle streams filled with leaves, seed pods, interesting rocks, plants, the sort of habitats that make even the most jaded fish geek sit up and give them a second look. Well, wait just a minute. It seems as though we've been down this road before. Remember our video, The Tint Meets the Aquascaper by the legendary George Farmer, which we featured a few years back, like around four or five years ago? What fish did George choose to star in his awesome little blackwater aquarium? Why, Pontius Pentazona, which look incredibly sexy when given the proper environment, don't they? And when an you know, an aquarium personality with the extraordinary taste and talent of George freaking Farmer chooses to feature them in one of his videos, you'd think that it would open up the floodgates to a new era of popularity for these seemingly forgotten fishes. Nope. Nothing. Zilch. Crickets. I haven't seen a barb-centric display since that one. Not even a request to do an Enigma pack for a barb tank. Nada. A tank that nice by a hobbyist, you know, by a hobbyist that famous with fish this cool should have definitely helped change some minds about this diverse group of fishes. And yet, I can't recall off the top of my head if to date I've received a pick of a single tank from a member of our community inspired by George's tank set up exclusively for or even simply featuring barbs. No respect. So we'll keep forging ahead, hoping to undo a century or so of bad programming that we and hobbyists worldwide have been exposed to, telling us this approach with extreme caution if at all. Counter-programming is necessary. It's an aquarium intervention of sorts. We had to do a little of it ourselves. You know, we featured a sexy Asian-themed botanical-style tank from Johnny Ciotti, absolutely starring barbs, specifically a group of Desmopuntius omboacillatus, the snakeskin barb that we got from Mike Tucanardi, one of the coolest barbs you'll ever see. They're flat-out awesome in his tank, and peaceful, and they don't eat aquatic plants. Our barb anti-hero finally arrived. Social media freaked the fuck out. And then, crickets. <laughs> Oddly familiar. The tank had everything going for it. Size, style, environment, plants, tinted water. Yet you almost never see barbs kept in proper context like this, in my opinion. In context, as we know, can make a big difference in perception of a given species within the aquarium hobby. But it takes you know, repetition, I guess. Even I, finally disgruntled by the lack of respect these fishes received from the hobby and eager to set up an aquarium which replicated some aspects of their habitat, decided to feature the same snakeskin barbs in my Asian-inspired tank. It was hard because, you know, I have a bit of a South American bias and this was out of my area of expertise, but I dutifully executed. The fish were surprisingly shy, hiding a lot of the day, maybe because I had so many damn little resbora in there, but coming to life daily during feeding. And yeah, the predictable thing happened. A lot of photos were taken, a whole lot of, wow, those fish are hot, what are they, comments on Instagram, lots of love, and yet I never saw nor heard of anyone else ever setting up a tank with them for themselves, inspired by our efforts. <sighs> so we've even seen, you know, we've seen and presented a few modern twists on the idea of barbs in an aquarium, conceived around them, and still the sound of silence. It's like weird, huh? 
I mean, they truly look amazing in Blackwater. What, what's the deal here? Hello? Really, what is it that keeps these fishes from exploding with popularity? I'm at a loss here. Work with me, people. I, I really do think that this is a group that truly suffered or suffers from the cumulative effect of bad press that they've received over the decades, warning us about the general need for large tanks, hefty filters, tough tank mates, etc., etc. I totally fell for this stuff, when the reality is that... As a group, many of these guys don't seem all that much more aggressive than a bunch of rowdy epistos, if you ask me. And everybody loves epistogrammas, and they're not nearly as touchy. Yet, there are some aggressive ones. There are some huge ones. There are some which shit like mad. And yet, there are some which tear up plants. I get it. So, simple solution. We can just avoid these pain-in-the-ass species, right? It's easy. Yeah, totally. I think we can, you know, collectively blow up the popularity of barbs by maintaining the most aquarium-friendly species under the most appropriate possible conditions. Study the natural habitats where they come from, you know, hello Google. Employ botanicals. Select the correct plants. Follow rigorous husbandry regimens. And nothing different here than we've done for so many other varieties of fishes, right? The fact that they're so diverse, generally hardy, with the possible exception of the damn cherry barb for many of us, perhaps because it's a victim of the lowest common denominator commoditized breeding rather than any fault of the fish, and are typically rather easy to breed, makes the disrespect they've received from the general hobby all that much more perplexing to me. And interestingly, barbs do have a certain character that many of the shoaling fishes we keep, like my beloved tetras, that seem to lack. Maybe it's because many of them are larger fishes by aquarium hobby standards, at least three inches, it's about eight centimeters or so on the average, and seem to have individual personalities, a far cry from my little mindless micro-drone tetras, I guess. It's a pretty cool thing, right? They do have that sort of it factor going for them. Sure, some will tear up plants, some will get a bit rambunctious at times, but I mean, come on, plants or fishes, and what's wrong with a little spirit now and again? I mean, tons of people love fucking earth eaters, right? Like, why? Seriously, though, you can compromise. And there are some damn good compromises from which to choose among the barbs. They're numerous, relatively modest-priced, modest-sized species, which, when placed in an aquarium designed to highlight them and accommodate their needs, can create a vibe and an aesthetic that are truly second to none. We know that subtle aquarium coloration is not in non-starter for fishes kept in a botanical style blackwater aquarium so even some of the less colorful ones are cool the right conditions can really highlight a fish in a very special way as we know of course in a podcast of you know of this necessity you know necessary brevity i can barely scratch the surface on this topic and just sort of giving you a little shove to you know research more about them and consider them for an inclusion in your next tank as i know that i will with sufficient swimming space, water chemistry, and no aquatic plants and botanicals, what kinds of fascinating results are possible? Perhaps a break in the mess cycle, which has unfairly plagued these fishes for decades in the hobby. Barbs, like so many of the fishes we play with in our aquariums, benefit and suffer from the per- you know, perceptions and misconceptions they've dealt with for years. Yeah, not all of them are aggressive, mean bastards that nip the fins of, and, and eat the cephalandra, so maybe we need to give them another look and cut them some slack. I think we do. Perhaps looking more closely at barbs can help us improve in other ways too. Perhaps there's a lesson to be learned that can be applied to the hobby or even life in general by giving them the respect and consideration uh, consideration, consideration they deserve. <laughs> we can absolutely deprogram ourselves from the unfair biases of our own making, avoiding the overgeneralization and stereotyping which sours so many things in our culture, right? Damn, I'm feeling like you know barbs could change the world. Well, maybe they can change the hobby. 
Well, let's just start by seeing if they can change a few minds first, right? Let's take the blah out of the barb equation, okay? Let's just do it. Yeah, sure, some can get big. Some are nasty at times. Some do destroy plants, as I've said five times already. But not all of them, though. Do some research. Perhaps other than the general hobby stuff, you know, scholarly articles on fishes can yield tons of good stuff that's actually factual. Yeah, some of it's dry and dull. So roll up your sleeves, mix a cocktail, and just deal. You'll find some cool stuff out there, trust me. Break out the leaf litter, line up some dark substrate material, set up that 55-gallon tank you've been itching to play with, and this time, add a group of barbs to it. You can do this. As always, stay excited, stay thoughtful, stay open-minded, stay curious, stay excited, stay innovative, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of the tent.